Hey everyone, this is my brother Michael. My brother Adam. We're the Sharf Brothers. You're listening to Mentoring for the Modern Musician. Hey everyone, welcome back. Welcome, welcome back to the Mentoring for, for the, the Modern, modern musician, musician podcast. Uh, M3 sure, Artists M- too. M3Artist.com. Make sure to check out the sites. Yes. New stuff going up all the time. Absolutely. Please leave comments on the podcast page. Yes. Uh, on, on whatever your platform is. Share with your friends. Spotify, iTunes. I think we're up on Stitcher now. I think we are up on Stitcher. Um, so make sure you share it because we're, yeah. we're trying to get this message of hope and joy to we all We want to help musicians. musicians. Yes. And musicians' families. Exactly. If you important, important. or someone you know is a musician, <laughs> this might be right for you. This might be a fit. Side effects may include. <laughs> so, excessive touring. Excessive touring. <laughs> Speaking a, of excessive touring. Excessive touring. That's a great segue. Pretty well done, huh? Well done. <laughs> it's one of Michael's superpowers. The segue man. The segue man. <laughs> uh, Today on the podcast, we are talking to... Songwriter, singer, Musician, performer, performer, storyteller, teacher, teacher, artist, troubadour extraordinaire, Ellis Paul. Ellis Paul, who we've been <sighs> massive. This is one of the things that's great about this. We get to we get to interview people hang that out we love and and like their music, just their art. Ask yeah. real questions to people sitting next to us or in front of us or on the exactly. phone. Exactly, people that we'd be just geeking out about anyway. And we do. So we've been we've been loving Ellis's stuff for uh, decades. Yeah long time yep. and and uh so we got to sit down with him he was touring through and we went to go meet him uh and we just we didn't do this one in the studio we did this one actually at uh, red and shorty's at red House shorty's concert series in dover dover new hampshire uh before everybody showed up for his songwriting workshop which was cool and we got to uh ask a bunch of great questions about hang out reminisce a little bit and yeah. talk to him about about what has changed for him over the last you know decade yeah how it's where he started how we, you know, how he got there and where he's going now, and yeah, it's, it's just tremendous. It is such a, a wealth of knowledge and, and experience. So tremendous wealth of knowledge. If you are a songwriter, or you know someone who's a songwriter, or, or you've you ever a heard a song, <laughs> I think that you're going to really, really enjoy this this podcast with Ellis Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, we have with us Ellis Paul. Good to see you guys. Good to it's see been, you too, man. It's been, it's, been, it's got to be 15 years. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, I think we saw you in passing at doing a radio interview in Portsmouth maybe eight or For nine Sean years Henderson. ago. Sean Oh, okay. This radio station. Oh, right. You were coming in and I was coming yes. out or something. Yeah. 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 But literally, but hey, I think that, I think the last time, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I think the last time we actually sat down and had a conversation was when we opened for you in Cannabis. In Cannabis. Yeah. That was yeah. I think that's got to be like 18 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the song had just come out for uh, Me, Myself, and Irene. Right. So, so World Ain't Slowing Down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was a crazy, you flashed in and flashed out and yeah uh, yep those things happen it's yeah. great stuff man yeah so yeah. so we want to for, for anybody who who hasn't uh stalked your career like like <laughs> we have we, i, I want to sort of in a healthy way in a healthy way yeah, yeah. yeah i mean look there's you can see he's sitting with us there's exactly. no restraining order involved. exactly right? yeah, so we're, right. we're good that was they're like actually chained to their chairs that's right <laughs> and there is security <laughs> off camera but still you can't see the security <laughs> off camera but still that's okay uh let's let's do a little bit of background uh prior okay even sort of where where did you when did music begin for you? What was your first musical memory, or where did where did it go? Um, probably, uh, my father took me to a big concert, which I remember being my first big, like, holy shit kind of concert. Yeah, yeah. And we were living in uh, North Dakota at the time, and uh, it was Doc Severinsen from the Johnny Carson Band. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And he was at the University of North Dakota in Grand Forks, and he took me, and I was in third grade. And then the next day, I woke up and there was a trumpet at the end of my bed, and that was the that was the cycle of oh, me wow. jumping in. And then, um, you know, in high school, I played I played all the way through high school until I graduated, and then I went to college and I stopped playing music and really started stopped doing creative endeavors. I was an athlete and I got a, a track scholarship to BC, okay. and um, I got injured uh, one year. Junior year, right? Yeah, my junior year in college, and that's when I, I had all this free time. I thought, right. this creativity thing is missing in my life, and, yeah. and it was a way to connect with myself. And so I brought a guitar into my dorm and just started playing and playing and got really, really hooked. Yeah. Now, had you already been playing guitar prior to that? 
No, I not started, even passively. Not even passively. I started at twenty, and uh, wow. Yeah. Do I remember right that I read somewhere that you actually learned how to play guitar from like a seventies songbook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, <laughs> leaving on a jet. Plane. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> two That's... two chord Dylan songs. Nice. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. G and D. Horse with no name. Right? There you go. Oh, oh, that's an E minor. It, it e, is super easy. Two fingers. E minor. Oh, oh right. D six. Right. Anything without an F bar. You know? yeah. yeah. I was. Yeah. I was on it. You're on it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Wow. Okay. So fascinating. And then started playing around Boston. I did open mics starting when I graduated, like, 88, 89, and then I, I found the open mic scene in Boston, which was burgeoning, staggering at that point, yeah. because okay. it had, you know, Martin Sexton and, and Darrell Williams and Patty Griffin, and, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on, oh, Vance huge. Gilbert, and, yeah. and uh, you guys are probably in there as that's, well, yeah, the that's, tail end of the... The, the, the tail end of that, yeah, ex- yeah. And, and we would never know who was going to show up in Boston or at the Cantab right you'll see Jeff playing and and there's you know uh, I mean amazing Dar would show up or you would show up or you know Jimmy Fantino would show up Greg Greg Greenwell right Greenwell right Right. where you just you never knew who was going to just pop in for the night yeah Yeah. and and it's I think you know that era which was about a decade um, really fed the, the New England music scene oh. and created a lot of national careers. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was really essential. Last night I saw Bob Hay. He was at my show and down, and he was the host of the Open Mic yeah. in Vienna. Yeah, yeah. Right at the Vienna. Which was yeah. the best of the best was, was open it, yeah. mics. Is that in Concord? No, it was in uh, Westboro. 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 Right, right, right. Yeah. What's the one in Concord? That was at the Concord Inn. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Which was also a cool one because it was in a historical building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down yeah. in the basement. Absolutely. And, you know. Yeah, absolutely. The, the ghost of the revolution. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Wandering around. Yeah. Well, so, so that, so from there, you just you sort of. I mean, I think that a lot of people caught on at that time, but but certainly for us, you were the one that we noticed was really making a. a a, not just a name for yourself, but that you were sort of succeeding in a way that that others weren't. So even though you know Marty had a lot of a lot of big success and Dar did, and you know, well, obviously Patty Griffin went on to you know have a couple of pop hits that sort yeah. of gave her this. Yours was for us at least was was about the songwriting and the performance in a way that was unique. Well, and something that I didn't understand at the time, which was authenticity. Yeah. Totally. Like, I knew that yeah. you weren't being fake about it. I knew it wasn't a put-on. I knew... Uh, but I didn't understand quite how important that was, or certainly was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I so we would notice headlines. I was down visiting my wife's family in, in uh, just outside Hershey, Pennsylvania, and they had a magazine on the table. I can't remember what the magazine was, but there was an art. I opened it up in the entertainment section. There was an article of you talking about your tattoo, your your really? your yeah. Woody Guthrie. You'd think I'd talk about chocolate and Hershey pencil, <laughs> right? Right. You think <laughs> it's more interesting? Right. But they were like, no. and then they used that somehow as a the you're truly authentic as a as a songwriter <laughs> and as a folk singer because you had a Woody Guthrie. Oh, pencil. you can trust the guy with a tattoo. Right. That's a first. I, yeah, right. Well, right. except that here's the thing. What I think that I also know this from 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 stories and from reading that that tattoo really led you to meet. Was it Woody's daughter? Yeah, Woody's daughter, Arlo. Arlo. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I met the whole clan. Yeah. yeah. Well, and got to actually write a song from lyrics of his that weren't... Right, they had no music. They had anymore. no music to them. So you got to do this really weird posthumous co-write right. with your hero. Yeah, it was so cool. Oh, it must have just been surreal. I mean... It was. Uh, so the story is, I got, I got this when I was about 26, and... Uh, I showed it to Arlo. I opened for him at Earth Day at a big show in Boston at the Half Show, and me showing it to him was so awkward and weird. <laughs> he, had, he had no idea what was happening, and I was taking hey, my clothes off. Sure, like that. Yeah, right. I'm I'm here, so you can't cool. just roll up the sleeve. You got to take the shirt. Yeah, off. like yeah. it was. It wasn't yeah. cool, and, and <laughs> uh, I don't even know if he remembers it. But um, Nora caught wind of it. Nora's his sister. Yeah, and I was down. Uh, at the National Folk Alliance Conference, which happens every year. And, and she was coming out of the building, and I was going in, and she stopped me, and she recognized me, and she said, I want to see the tattoo. So I brought her into the bar, and I showed her the tattoo. 
And in that moment, a crowd gathered around us and uh, she met her, her soon-to-be husband in that moment as we were, she was gathered around my tattoo. So wow. it was, yeah. Wow. So I had something to do with them meeting and then oh, that's they so got cool. married like within a year and it was, it was great. See, if you hadn't got injured... There you go. That never, they never went right. Wow, the butterfly effect. Right? We're talking about a horde of butterflies. Thank God you got injured. <laughs> <laughs> so she invited me uh, to do, you know, Woody wrote 3,000 songs, but he only right. recorded 200. So there's 2,800 songs where no one has any idea what the music What is. the music would have been. Wow. So they're doling out songs, uh, inviting songwriters that they, they like to come up and and uh, so I, I went to the archive, picked out a song called God's Promise, and I put music to it. And, um, and it's, you know, it's a beautiful lyric, and it's about him. It, it's really about keeping the faith under dire circumstances. And he wrote it in the hospital in the last era of his life. Right, and, right. Uh, so it came out beautifully. That's... Which is, again, really cool. And, and for me part of a reflection of what we felt about you coming out of that scene and have noticed for the rest of these next couple of decades, which is this authenticity that you have, that when you dig, when you dug your way into that material and it, and sort of looked at what that would do for you as a songwriter, that it was from your unique perspective, that you weren't trying to be Woody Guthrie, right? Right, yeah. But you're trying to t- learn from that. What is it that, what was so special about this that I can take myself, yeah. right, and, and, and make my own? Well, then it mattered enough to you to take some needles and stick some ink in your <laughs> arm and have it be there forever. That wasn't stabbing But that that's, I mean, that's a kind of commitment that to to an art form and to an artist and to... A life and who you are is—it's not just a tattoo; it's a thing. Yeah, it, it, it's a statement. Yeah, for you of of who you are. I mean, it could have been fake. It, there's all kinds of people maybe that would do that, but in your the way you did it and what it meant to you and what it led to in your career—that's just a part of the authentic you being the songwriter, the quintessential songwriter, the the troubadour who's. How many, do you know how many miles you've driven? Oh God! Uh, well, I know I do right now. I'm doing around sixty thousand a year just in my car, but then there's rental cars and flights, and so I mean it's it's probably sixty thousand times twenty five because wow. I've been on the road full time twenty five years. And are you still you still doing how like many shows, shows a year? You know, probably it, if you include the kids shows and all of the the workshoppy things, it's yeah, yeah. one hundred and fifty to two hundred events that I'm doing every year. So it's it's busy. Like this week is typical. I did an elementary school on Thursday, an elementary school Friday morning, and then a show Friday night, last night's show on Saturday, and then a workshop and a show here. And then Monday, tomorrow morning, I'll be at another elementary school. And be that's nice a stack if, weekend. It'd be nice if you tried a little harder and just work a little I get Wednesdays off. Okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so Wednesday's your Sunday. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Exactly. Great. Nice. Yeah. Don't call Alice on Wednesday. Exactly. Right. Nobody calls I'm in the hot tub. <laughs> exactly. Alone. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Another industry secret. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, so then I guess I, there's so many things that, are, that I want to ask you, but I think that what what would be most beneficial at at this point then would be to just sort of dive into what it is that motivates you to do that kind of movement, that kind of like is you're still doing this mm-hmm. and that much and that long and that that's that's not that's not well, not normal. Well, if a twenty-three-year-old kid or a twenty-four-year-old kid were doing what you're doing, you'd be like, "Man, that kid's driven." Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And I'd like to see that. But, and I like, and I like it when I see that. Yeah, when I the, see up-and-coming people like you know Seth Glear and um, you know all these other people that are just work their tail off to get a foothold because there's no other way to do it. You have to 
you have to put your nose to the grindstone because if you want to be where I am yeah. 25 years later, yeah, right. you got to start by playing 200 or more shows and, yeah. and just take whatever shows you can get and get on stage and get as many openers as you can and you know spread the word. Yeah, and that those not all of those early shows were amazing sold-out no. Somerville theater shows. Where, yeah. <laughs> I mean? Definitely not. That there's just grind shows, just... All right, I'm out. I'm doing my thing, and 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 yeah. it's it's it would be the same if you were an athlete. When you were an athlete, right, you were working that hard mm-hmm. on training, your training, you know, training, 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 and and then racing, racing, racing. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah. So it's. Well, I wonder how much of that had to do with the way you looked at music when you went in. Well, probably the idea of perseverance, and if I do the work, like if I do the training, then the races and the times that I want will happen. Right. And there's, you know, there's a little bit of disconnect. Sometimes that's not always the case, but I just felt like I was good enough live that if I played enough shows, if a a percentage of the audience was going to buy the CD and take it home, then those people were going to come back. At least those people, you know, if I sold yeah. 20 CDs, those 20 people would come back and bring a date or whatever. Right, and, right. And um, that's the way. It was like the law of percentages. So if I threw myself out there <laughs> 250 times, right. every right. show I get 20 people and 250 times 20 is 5,000. And, and and then suddenly I, the next year I do the same thing. And then suddenly you've got a set of 20 people showing up. You have 100, 150, 200 people. Yeah. And that was that was the... The way I was thinking of it, which is a, a brilliant way of thinking about oh. it. And the only thing I would add into there is, if you write songs like Ellis Paul, and if you sing songs like <laughs> Ellis Paul, and if you perform right. like Ellis Paul, well. meaning like that. I mean, I and part of it is it, we all need to be honest about it. What is your what's your talent? Right. What's your superpower? Where do you notice? No, this is this isn't my ego telling me that I can really write songs. I actually can write songs, and if I dive in and really do the work, yeah, this is something that I'm really good at. And then not beating yourself up for where you are. I, you know, somebody once in my life, my business life was was ranking. You know, the scale of like, you know, sucking at open mics <laughs> to Bob Dylan. Like, where do I fall on the scale? And he put me around seven, and I'm like, really? You think I'm a seven? I'm like, <laughs> and the reality is, I'm not. I'm not a seven. I'm as good as whatever person is a fan of mine thinks I am. So. There are people that would, you know, you put um, Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Ellis Paul, Joni Mitchell, Woody Guthrie, The Beatles, blah, 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 on a shelf. And there are people that will take my CD out first, you know, and those are the people that I'm trying to feed, not the people that go to Bob Dylan or, you know. Or Bruce Springsteen first. Right. And yes, I might be on a seven on the success scale or even on, on the talent scale but I'm serving the people that think I'm the 10 right that, that oh, that's a fantastic I love the way you describe that because it's the people that you hit between like I don't like I'm a big fan of acoustic songwriters and yeah. um, you know Dar Williams who I, I, I love but she doesn't hit me here because I don't think she's writing for me she's, she's, she's writing, especially yeah. when she was coming up she was yeah. writing songs that were really I mean not intentionally targeted at 15-year-old girls, but they were hitting 15-year-old girls yes. between well, she the eyes. She hit my 15-year-old girl, because I would weep. Right. Every, I mean, me, no, personally, yeah. my inner 15-year-old oh, yeah, right. right. yeah. girl. Yeah. I would yeah. weep every time I heard Babysitter or whatever, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. right. And that would make me feel like, wow, I feel really awkward in my skin. <laughs> right. but then, you know, when I was a boy, tears. And, yeah, you know, right. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there are those songs that she did, but, but you know. But I, a different audience. That's but a, a great, different audience, That's yeah. a really great, great and Whereas audience. I might not pick out Dar in that same shelf before the Beatles or Bruce Springsteen or Neil Young who I really love you know there's thousands and thousands of people who would before the Beatles before before anybody and you're saying which is brilliant it's not Dar's job to try to write songs or be the artist that is going to make herself make you pick her up first that that's a flawed premise right and that's the that's the flaw almost everybody goes into because everyone right. wants the kind of success that Springsteen yes. has. And, right. And then they, they pull themselves out of their authentic self and they stop writing about what they see and their their fingerprint changes and right. they stop looking at the world through their lens. They start trying to apply some other goggles to put on wow. to I, perceive the world as, oh, what would Springsteen write right. this one? Like? And then right. they try to write right. that song and that's... 
so stupid and and you're bound for failure. Yeah, you, yeah. I, it, when you do that, absolutely. Why? I I'm sitting here going, wow. I I, I really wish that someone like Alice Paul had told me that when we were <laughs> writing songs because he, that's a classic. That's, mis- a, that's yeah. a classic. That's a classic mistake. Mistake, and it, it really is flawed thinking. To but but no one talks about it any other way. So of course. There's going to be a lot of that flawed thinking out there. So that's a great point. Well, on top of that, there is commercial songwriting where, you know, professionals are sitting right now, right now, today, and there's three of them intentionally trying to write a song in the voice of somebody. In the voice of Springsteen, but trying to write for Tim McGraw in the voice of, like, like, really, like, throwing (laughs) arrows at random targets, hoping to hit the biggest target of all. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, even I've fallen into that trap because you sure. want to occasionally those checks come in, right, right, land, and, and there's you know there's six figures. There. Having right. a hit would not well, you had be a bad. <laughs> thing. Wasn't it, uh, right. Oh, now I can't remember his first name. Ingram, country's Jack sorry. Ingram. Jack Ingram yeah. recorded one of your songs. Right? He did, but he didn't put it on the record. Oh, and, it didn't. Uh, and it didn't which make is it on a story. Record. Well, he recorded um, one that we wrote together recently on his okay. uh, on, on his last record. But he recorded the world ain't slowing world down. World ain't slowing down, right? And I think oh, I the, the the label wanted it to be the single. But I think Jack knew that um, if it was the single, he wasn't going to make any money on it because it was my song and he didn't have publishing on it, right? And, oh, uh, yeah. and he was, I think he was probably pretty sure that that was going to be uh, one of the songs the label might push, right? And, the only push one, and then they might push they two. Might. The first one, right? right. The first but, one, right. right? Right, right. But if you get a top five hit in the country world, it's five hundred thousand dollars from radio, right? And uh, wow! And if you are the sole singer songwriter and the sole publisher, publisher, which I was, all that yeah. money would go to me and not to Jack. And that money's got to feed his family, right? And yeah. his crew, right. and his right. band members, and so sure. I think, uh, and I'm just, this is me, not, Jack has not spoken these things to me, but I'm guessing that was, sure, the, right. if I was the businessman that Jack is, that's what I <laughs> that's would, what you would right? think. I would say, like, maybe yeah. I should maybe I... kick this one off and put one of mine right. on. And, yeah, and I love be. the way Ellis Paul writes songs. Why don't I write a song with Right, and, and that's and... what he did the next time right. he sat and he wrote, and he loves the song that we wrote, and, uh, and that one's called Blaine's Ferris Wheel, which is uh, oh. a really fun song. Fantastic. So that's a great, what a great, another great insight from, from your, from your side. So, I mean, so I think probably people know that you've written with, um, oh my God, I'm terrible with names today. Um, guy from Sugarland. Yeah. Christian Bush. Christian, yeah, Christian Bush, Bush is a phenomenal songwriter. He is. And one of my best friends and one of the easiest person that I have ever co-written with because of our relationship being, wow. It's like writing with a brother, you guys know. Yeah, yeah. A brother you like. Yeah, right, right. Not, right, not, like, right. not, like, not like the Everly not brothers. Like, no, no, no. Right, right, right. Exactly. Together. Right. You know, right. Yeah, or the, or, the, you know, the Gallagher brothers and Oasis. Oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's no, good that no, you guys can we see don't models of each other yeah. ever. We still got a podcast together, so we're good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. I'm just going to jump on that because... When you were mentioning that there are there are songwriters in Nashville today doing two and three sessions with different groups of people to write hit songs, hit songs, quote, right. air quotes. All of them for, being inauthentic in order to be commercial. In order to be commercial. But exactly. trying to bring some sort of soul to right. the process of Bring the same something, time right. So that's real. But and, and, a, and you will get people that will be able to write songs that are really tremendous successful of art, yeah right? and, and really great songs right? yeah but really a small percentage of them would be something that I'd want to hear exactly right exactly um, but again like somebody who's well like Lori um, McKenna uh, well yeah well right? Lori Lori man Lori is hired in Nashville for authenticity that's right that's why she is so successful because she can't real. not be her yeah right? Right. And she's gonna speak from the heart and gonna be and in a way that is not trying to just make money but trying to write from a real place which will explain why she's one song a year yeah two three right. times right. Right. she Where's, is probably the right now the hottest of all the national right. writers which so is which great because happy. which again well, going back to that the the new england uh open mic scene that's yeah, came, she came out of the same place. Mm-hmm. I, we yep. remember doing a show. One of the the 
things that Passim put on. It was a state park somewhere. State park festivals. Yeah. yeah right. She only had three kids at the time. They're rolling down the hill. And, you know. <laughs> right. right. So now they're rolling in the money. Exactly. <laughs> which is, which and, is a good Every good time thing. I see a picture yeah. of her, her name anywhere, I just smile so loud because the same person that we were hanging out shooting, shooting the shit with is the person that's writing those songs and you can hear it yeah. in the songs. Like it's not... Well, I like that. That's exactly. Thank you for going there because that's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. Is that you're talking about trying to use a method of you know, you know inauthenticity to get there to get those successful hit songs, and it does happen. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. But not to that level. Right. Right. That not to that where it's going to be a classic song that you're going to go back to again and again and again. Well, and, you know, it's hard to say what. I think the magic of almost any great song is that there is an element of truth and heart and soul and however it comes out. But the more filters of let's try and make money or let's try and write for someone else or let's try and write in the style of someone else, these are like filters that that block authenticity from getting through to the to the core of it. And, um, and somehow Lorena Kenna has an ability to get her truth through the filter of commercial writing and, and make it come out. Which is... And which is a gift. And, um, you know, and the Beatles, let's face it, they were sitting down and saying, let's write a swimming pool and then doing it. And they right. did it and it still moved me. Yeah, right, so, right. So, <laughs> so, well, they were able to do it in a way that was authentic. So that again, was, the exception proving the rule. That, that, right. that it's not something you want to hang your hat on, but that right. it certainly can happen. Well, yeah, and if you want to have that kind of career, then the people that are the best at it are the people that bring that to it. Right. And, um, like Christian does and like Laurie does. And, um, and so, and you gotta, I mean, I think you guys know it's, it's, it's like guerrilla warfare out here and on every level, whether you're touring or writing in a commercial room or, or just writing at your home and wishing to be heard. Um, there's lots of rejections and lots of people. Like last night, for example, um, I played a, a gig at the Rose Garden uh, in in uh, Hingham, I think it was. No, it's not Hingham. It's Mansfield, Massachusetts. Okay. okay. Yeah. And there was a contest. The three people that were chosen from 25 or so who submitted were there, and they did two songs each, and they picked a winner. And, um, and I've been a, a judge at... Uh, the Kerrville Folk Festival. Yeah. And I remember watching the 36 people go up on stage and then David Wilcox and I and Raina Rose were the judges. We went to a trailer afterwards to choose which six of the 32 would be finalists and winners. And I threw my six choices down and they threw their six choices down and, and there wasn't a single person on my list that made it onto their list. And that's how broad... And subjective right. artists, like I had to fight to get one of my people onto the final list, and then and the person that was number one didn't on my list didn't even make the final six. Um, so you know, at the end of the night, I walked up to that person and, who was a housewife from Nebraska. I can't remember her name right now, but I just I felt like I I, I, I had to let her know that she won on my list, that she had the highest score of anyone, and and that because of the differences in opinion and, and subjectivity of these kind of things yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. you know, art is in the ears and in the eyes of the beholder and, um, like one pe- person's art is another pe- person's fart and it, right, it's, right. Just yeah, that, yeah. it's just that kind of thing. And, and we all, uh, out in, out in this world and as we're traveling around and trying to get our little footholds, you know, there are times of rejection. And if you, if you think that that person has the final word, you are so wrong because it's just a subjective moment. That guy didn't hire you or that guy didn't like your song because he's not, you know, he's just not your audience. Right. Right. So back at full circle, back to where we started. So, you know, he, that guy that didn't like your song, he's never going to pick your CD off right. the list. Again, oh, that really, it, it but does. thousands of other people yeah, right. very well might pick yours first. Right. And so in my, in my big picture of where my career is, I think I'm lucky to be where I am. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I know there are millions of people that have never been exposed to my music and in those millions of people, there are tens of thousands who yeah. would be that person. Who would be that person to pick it. So 
you know, and I, I'm certainly not uh, the Beatles are, or even Dylan are, um, you know, the people that I love who had massive success. But there's so much room for growth, and um, and that keeps my hope going that yeah, yeah. Be, these other moments might come yeah. that expose people in the millions to me like the movies have right right and, right um, and that i'll get additional toeholds but again yeah. like i'm 53 now so um those opportunities are going to be less available because of my age and and even because the music is starting to sound less hip <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. authentically 53 year old you know right, right. song artists 53 writing music and right writing about life experience but it's not going to be viewed as what what is viewed as pop music today. Well, it's funny. I've got to imagine that having um, stayed with your authenticity, uh, right, like right from the get-go, it, from here on out for you to stay authentic, I'm going to imagine is, whether it's true or not, <laughs> I'm going to imagine it's going to be easier for you than it would be had you continually just been somebody going for the success and going for... Yeah. Right? Like, that's natural for you. Yeah. And that's I'm, I'm decades a, long. Yeah, and I'm in a place like, you know, and, and it's been a fairly straight line of, of trying to be true, but there's wavering as the line sure, moves on. Right, and, right. and uh, you know, there are there are songs, and I can I can look back at my catalog and, and look at myself and say, why were you, why, why, why would you, why did you do that? Why did you put it on the record? Why was it produced like that? Right. And that's you chasing after some form of alternative success that isn't true to the thing that you really started with. Right, right. right. uh, But the room, you know, the thing about having a long career, as you guys know, is there's, there's room for, for success and room for mistakes and room for accidental failures and rooms for accidental oh, success. success. Sure. And there's stuff you can take the blame for and there's stuff that just wafts in yeah, yeah. and trips you up or throws you a, you know, a big celebration. So um, you learn as you go. And I'm, I'm at this point where I'm kind of really readdressing the being authentic and true and stripping it down. I want the next record to be fairly fairly solo for the yeah, first time yeah, in, yeah. in really decades. In, in, yeah, right. I was going to say, decades. And, and make the guitar speak and instead of drums and all this stuff that yeah. kind of hide what I do, right. I'm, I'm, right. I'm going to make sure that that is the principal oh, you know, that. musical thing that's happening. That's really exciting. Yeah. Well, I actually love that you bring that up because one of the records that I wanted to bring up was um, the record from 2010 that you produced with... with Christian? Uh, or, oh, that's uh, the... Day After, day, day after change. Everything Changed. And that right? was um, Sorted Noise. You yeah. worked with Sorted Noise for that. What's funny is... Those we were, guys are brilliant. We were really down with, with an artist uh, sort of yeah. who was going to do some work with them. Yeah. And, talk, and your name came up. And they're like, ah, oh, how much they loved you. And it was great. I can't remember what year this was. It's probably five or six years ago. Six years ago? Yeah, five years ago. And um, so probably like right after they had worked with you. Yeah. And they talked about like loving who you were as a as an artist and as a songwriter and as a performer and that you have all these different elements and one of the things they wanted to do on some of the songs was break up all those little elements and assign them to different instruments yeah and then have your voice come through and I love that record I, like, I do too but it's yeah. the best soundscape of I an album so. I've ever put out I agree and completely every, agree. every song sounds like it's a cinemascope you know yeah. yes <laughs> yeah. almost like 360 degree view of the universe I'm in and, and uh, it worked really well and if you listen to your uh, that record from beginning to end and I don't do that with a lot of records sometimes I'm like oh I love these three tracks and then I'm on track four and I'm done yeah. but I love res- listening to your records as a story like as, as the storyline goes yeah there are all of the different Ellis's that show up and yeah. there's the rocker and there's the sort of you know <laughs> yeah. introspective guy who's like a little bit dark and then there's the sort of you know ironic yeah. humor guy and then there's the very delicate just you and a guitar and they're all in there yeah. like they're all on that record it's like a chocolate box of Ellis Paul yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> what you're like a Marshall Stilver don't sampler. eat the white one <laughs> <laughs> something flunky in that something one. weird about that you're not sure what they were thinking on that it's always very hard for me to find something in a chocolate box where I'm like but I'm hungry you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still going to be good it's gonna be, not going to be great you can just take but that one bite and then spit it out <laughs> So, well, so yeah. what, what made me think of that was that that is not the opposite of what you're talking about doing for this next record, but but, but, kind of. but a different kind of, yeah. yeah. Like to me, it's going to be, a, I, I want a very consistent palette of instruments so it doesn't feel like you're going on such a divergent journey. Um, and that record, you know, some people will call that the best record I've ever done and I, 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 I wouldn't argue with them. 
You know, yeah. I, I think it's got great songs and great production. I completely agree. And uh, yeah, and I don't feel like we really fell short on any song, but. But again, like all the little nuances on my guitar that I'm most yeah. proud of um, were probably hidden on that album. And so, uh, you know, and right now I'm writing with those nuances in mm. mind, so I'm yeah. creating yeah. more and more, and more of course. fancy guitar stuff that I really love. And, well, I'm really glad I talked to the guys from Sort of Noise about it because the nuances were hidden on purpose. Yeah. They were supposed to be taken somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. a great idea. Yeah. And, it, and it is a great record, and I think it worked. And it, it, totally, it's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite sounding record of yours. I yeah. think if that were your first record, that would have been a huge mistake. Maybe too much, too soon. I don't know. Yeah, R- right. But knows. but because because then I would have to repeat. You the would have formula. to repeat that, and people would miss that all of those pieces really are you and are yeah. combined. Eh, maybe they would have found it out. Kind of like if you see Sean Colvin and you go, "Why am I hearing the whole band?" When it's just her, right. maybe it would have been the same experience with you. Or with, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You're again. There, I, I've never seen you play live where I, I'm like, you know, I wish there was just more going on. I'm uh, always, right. I'm always never, yeah. totally into what's there, and the, yeah. the song is served, and the audience is served, and the performance is served I'm appropriately because it's by design. It's not. You're not going to do this. No. <laughs> yeah, they're generally designed around being able to be. I mean, they're written in a almost like a living room setting and so when I'm playing these places yeah. like a living room they, they, they yeah. work great yeah so we're in kind of a living room right now just yeah. so that everyone knows and, and it's it's at Red and Shorty's in, in Dover, New Hampshire mm-hmm. with, and they're kind enough to let us do this one year because you've got a workshop this afternoon a writing yeah. workshop yeah. this afternoon that you're going to do and then a performance tonight and uh, so I would love to talk to you about the workshops a little bit because I think it's a perfect springboard into one of the things that Adam and I have, have talked about since we first saw you and then we're lucky enough to open for you a couple times was your live performances are, as we were gushing about what, what a great songwriter you are, for me, your live performances are on that same level. They are, and it's, and having seen you in a number of different decades do it, <laughs> they have continued to grow. Yeah in a way that doesn't always happen. Um, someone can be really great in their 20s and early 30s and then sort of, there, I found it. That's what I do. Yeah. Right? And I don't feel that way with you at all. I feel like you are, just like you do with your songwriting, you're always evaluating. Is that... Yeah. Is that... And growing and, and my skill set's changing. I've lost five notes off the top since you okay. know, I was 20. And yeah. Okay. You know, those yeah. kind of things have happened and... Um, I tell stories better than I did in my 20s. Yeah. I speak and I'm more confident on stage. I improvise a lot more now than I did. I didn't do that at all in my 20s. Right, so I, right. I mean, in, in my 20s, I could barely make eye contact because it, it, it was a very vulnerable situation for me to be on stage, even though I craved it like, like a motherfucker. I don't even know why, but you know, I'd be dry heaving like, backstage. Like, I gotta why, get out there. why are you putting yourself through this? Yes. It's so painful and the night's... But, you know, the nights that go well, there's this elation that triggers all those endorphins and serotonins. And, and yeah. you know, your your head's about to explode when you well, step off stage. And that's... Like the runner's high. It, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's 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 a drug. And I'm, I still love it. Like a great show really feeds feeds my soul, feeds, feeds my heart. And, well, and I got to tell you, the whole, the young Ellis Paul not looking people in the eye and being read so well from the audience... It, like, well, that if vulnerability you would, can pay can. off. But if you, you know, had put that on, like if you had decided to do it, it would have paid off for a while. Because it, it read well anyway. <laughs> I'd right? have to be a good actor. But, but, yeah. but, yeah. but it happened to be true and authentic and real. Yeah. But for yeah. what you were doing, having a, a, a songwriter of your skill level and your introspection and your with your voice and the look and the long hair and the whole yeah. being being like sort of looking away. That's with, gone. <laughs> but you, I just but you, got butchered by butchered by some guy in Ithaca two days ago. I feel like I look like Anderson Cooper. <laughs> he, I, when he turned the chair around, I looked in the mirror. I'm like, like holy shit! Oh, what did you do? Oh god, I look like Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> just one gun away from notoriety. A gun away and the newspaper. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. the newspaper. oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. Newspaper. You know the grassy knob. Wow. My, so. That's deep, guys. We're going okay, far we're into the weeds. <laughs> well, there's always a little history on our podcast. Yes, there is. That's we, that's but that, that's, I don't know why that happens, I'm but totally it does. I'm totally into that. <laughs> so, when was it 
that you decided to start adding songwriting and performance um, instruction to what you do? When, when did that come about? Well, um, it's been about, I guess, 10 years or so since I started sort of formally doing it. Um, I was mentored by, you know, uh, Bill Morrissey rather intentionally, right. um, who produced my first record. And, mm-hmm. um, and in the conversations he had and what he shared with me and how it kicked me forward, I, I, I came to value that time in my life a lot and I wanted to do it for other people. So I was um, adopting... Um, you know, openers who'd come in and play maybe four or five shows with me. And then, you know, and they, I, I felt like I was giving them a chance to see me play, but also yeah. talk to me about how I do business. Yeah, like right. literally do business. Like what are the numbers? Like how do you make it work? How do you improve it? Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, just like little people like John Mayer, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. John didn't need much help, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was around in his early days as well. And, um, you know, those, then I ended up adopting them for longer stretches, and then I took Anja Divakon on the road for two years, and we did the whole country oh. start to finish. She got my whole audience for two years, and she drove with me in the car, so she wow. got a ton of me. Oh, she didn't need yeah. artistic help, so to speak. She just needed to see that this is how it's done. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. um, and watching her blossom from into this really swan-like thing you know that she yeah. has yeah. become yeah, it's just yeah. that fascinating and I'm really proud of how how she really developed in that period of time and I've done uh, a guy named Peyton Tochtman Seth Clear uh, Rebecca Loby mm-hmm. um, you know there's there, there's a, t- a ton of people Jamie Kent and those those are the people I've agreed to take in stretches and, yeah, and yeah. really share my audience with and spend time with and and then I decided I needed to start teaching this formally and would add, like I am today, adding an afternoon three-hour workshop where I just talk shop. And, and now I'm running this retreat. I was going to ask you about the retreat. Yeah. But the, I really wanted to hear about that. It's really great. It's called the New England Songwriters Retreat. And you just put a New England Songwriters Retreat into your search engine and it'll come up. Um, this is the third year. It's in Chester, Connecticut, at a okay. at a place called the Guesthouse Retreat Center, okay. which is like a bed and breakfast style place. Oh, nice. It has really nice. good food, vegetarian food, and nice. And then I, you know, I've brought in different instructors. Dan Byrne and the girls from Red oh, Molly, nice. the ladies from Red Molly, are coming in to teach this year. And um, nice catch. Vance Gilbert, yep. me, yeah. So, you know, it's four days of intensive workshop stuff and then performances yeah. at night. Great. And, um, and it's really, it's created quite a community. And, and I, I feel like people will, will definitely jump up a notch or three oh, yeah. by spending that kind of time. I love it. And again, that's, that's, again, sort of part of our mission with doing the podcast. It's exactly our mission with doing the podcast. Give people real information. Right. Really what's going on. Right. Not their fantasy that they had. It, when they wanted to get into it, which is cool. That, right. That'll drive you for a period of time. Yeah. But I'm saying that's cool. So now when you do do something well, you're still going to be on the road. You're still going to have to bring your CDs to shows. You're still going to have to figure <laughs> out how to talk to people and be you right. know, tired and, 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 and. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that teaching, but it's mostly focuses on the songs. We, we know we'll have somebody come in and talk about publishing. We'll have somebody nice. come in and talk about social media and, nice. and stuff like that. We'll just sprinkle these little business things on the yeah. side to help yeah. people get a better perspective of yeah. where they are in that, that kind of part of their business. Right, right. But for the most part, it's like, how do I become a better performer and better songwriter? Right. Which you, which you actually have on your website. You've got these amazing graphics oh, yeah. right. Of, of, that really show... I don't even know how to describe this without without the visual of it. That what goes into a great song and what goes into great performance, and I just love them because they're this really. I'm a visual learner, so there's this really right. great visual representation of all of the spokes of the wheel that lead back to the performer on stage or lead back to the song in the middle. Yeah, and how to get at that. Right. And what some of those shortcuts are? I mean, I mean, if you could call them shortcuts, I think you can. That they're especially in the editing, yeah, the, right, right. In right. The editing, they're like because people, a lot of people just write that first draft of the song and then they walk away thinking that the song did it. Right. Yes, because you know they want to be inspired. You're like cool, right? And I like inspiration. 
But I also like a great song. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they think, you know, well, the Beatles did it in five minutes, but the Beatles didn't. Do no. The Beatles no. did it in five minutes, and then they did 50 takes of the song. Of the song. And where every it time evolved. the song. Every single right, yes. time. Words were changed. Yes. Chords were changed. Right. Melodies were changed. The harmonies were changed. And over the course of 50 versions... And that's how I write. I write. I, I will literally write fifty different versions. So again, of these yes, songs. if you're in Abbey Road Studios and a young George Martin is there with you to do fifty takes, right? Sure. Yeah, now yeah. you don't need to rewrite. Right, right. but you got to do it in your closet at home or wherever it is you're writing yeah, yeah. in your in your writing room. Yeah, right. And the posters, I think they're just they're they're pieces of folk art, so they're fun to look at. Yeah. Yes. And they every day that you look at it, you'll see something different, and you'll it'll just be a good reminder. Oh, right, I got to. This song needs that idea, and and, uh, and it, again, it all flows to the middle Which of is, what the center of the whole point of you doing this yeah. as an art form is. Which is a great way of it's like a meditative, a visual meditative way to get yourself back to your right. center, keep your mind right. where your body is, be in the middle of the song. Yeah, I love that. And then if you address like. You know the the mission of the song. It's a love song, but it does this, and that's what the mission is. It's like it's not just a love song, but it does something unique to itself. And then you can look at the chorus and the verses and the storyline and the narrator's voice and say to yourself, "How can I make that ring more true by editing it according to what the, the mission of the statement song. is?" Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that really helps make the choices for you. Well, I love that. I love that. I love that. And I'm, I am going to circle back to the performance. You just said something that was that really was like bells going off in my head. The art form. Yeah. Right? And that I think, I think as songwriters, we, we, we recognize that, that songwriting is an, is an art and that that's an art form. And what I was trying to say earlier about how you are as a performer that... I just always gravitated towards was that I feel like you treat that as an art form that the performance itself is an art form yeah. and and that doesn't mean that you have you know smoke smoke machines and you know oh, what no, I mean? I do. And light shows and, <laughs> and, right? absolutely no, no, right but, I saw them they're in the but, car but, <laughs> but what's great about it is that it feels like that watching you give a performance that oh, it, it's, it it doesn't fall anywhere short of and it's funny for me, I've seen you in all kinds of different places, you know, huge crowds at festivals and then, and then, you know, big, you know, some of a filled theater types. And then my favorite types of venues are where there's like 50 people. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like, I just like, tonight. like tonight, tonight should be 40, 50 people. And, and I just, again, I go back to watching you, watching you when we opened, we're lucky enough to open for you at Kennebunk Coffee House in Kennebunk, Maine. And there was maybe 75 people there. Yeah. And not a one of those people left not moved in yeah. the same way that someone would be moved at a huge rock show or a huge, that it was the same effect. Yeah. It's that art form that you have. And, and so that's, I was really excited about the poster that you have that, <laughs> right. that is about that too, because right. you didn't leave that out. You don't, that is something that is really a part of, of, of who you are, of who you are and what you do that is so yeah. special and it's probably the thing that gets ultimately it, it gets the most focus because I'm doing so many shows yeah. you know and, and I probably spend more time playing in front of people and actually writing you know because yeah. there's there's not a lot of time left for writing I write right. in the car a lot right right, right. so um, yeah it's, and I've done 5,000 shows or so so that's a lot of shows, that's a lot, lot of mistakes, of a lot of things went wrong in those 5,000 to learn from. Yeah, sure. And the things sure. that went right, I tried to carry into the next show. Yeah. And, uh, Which is phenomenal. shows. Yeah. How many games did Pete Rose play? And he had 3,000 hits. And yeah. And that. So, so probably so. over 5,000. But he's, like, he's, but that's he's, he's, he's like a like Hall of Famer, like right. baseball player. He would absolutely <laughs> show for, he's absolutely a player uh, manager, no question. Player manager, and, yeah. And I'm on steroids. That's well. I mean, <laughs> obviously. That's clearly. I mean, how could you do that? There's no way you can't you can do 200 shows. You right. can't do 200 shows a year. There's no way that the lines work old. that way with the steroids. That's just how it happens. A little known And I'm betting on my own shows. Yes. Obviously, I just will keep that down. There's a few things that. Just keep that on the down low. That's fine. Right. Will he get an encore? <laughs> uh, I'd bet on it. I'd, I'd bet, bet on it. it. <laughs> I think so. I think we can make that happen. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be watching that. Because, one guy in the because exactly. as we leave here, there I is I won't play 3,000 miles. 
I guarantee I'll <laughs> right. When we leave here, though, there's no sign that says no betting on this performance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's right. So, so that's fine. Yeah. So it's completely legal. It's completely it's, legal. As far as they know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So adding, adding these, these, these writing retreats, taking someone on the road with you and mentoring them, doing, uh, you know, adding the posters to, to something that you can make monetary valuable. So you, so it's merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is one of the things that we've noticed over the last, I feel like we've noticed over the last certainly five, 10 years is that it, part of what we have to do now is there's, you gotta be doing more than one thing. Yeah. Right. As, and as many shows as you play a year and as <laughs> that you still are looking for the, what else, where else can I make a this, living, this really. work? Where else can I make yeah. a living? Yeah. And so it's clear to me that you noticed that and I'm wondering if there's anything else that you're noticing about the industry or you play so many shows a year how have they changed what's the what's your feeling about what's happening right now with with what's going on in music it's um it's an interesting time because it's really exciting for the consumer because suddenly everything is so easy and so right. inexpensive and we have you know access as music fans to anything we want for near, nearly free right. or free right, right. And um, but on our side, uh, on the songwriter side, it's like a third of our income is just poof gone. gone. And right. um, and it's been gone, you know, since the early two thousands. And and then you see, you know, my posters and my books will outsell CDs almost at every show now. Right. You know, I might walk out with ten CDs sold, and that's a really good night for right. you know a crowd of 100, 200 people. Wow. Right. Whereas when you were talking about early on, you were talking about maybe if I can if I can at least sell twenty CDs. Right, yeah, right. Fans, 20 right. CDs was like an average night. And, wow. uh, you know, and a good night was 30 or more. And there were nights where you could sell 100 right. to 200 people. Right. Like, Just like 50% audience penetration. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. But it, it happened. It happened frequently. And, yeah. And now, um, you know, the numbers haven't changed, but the sales have. And, and then, you know, in my personal life, I'm divorced and I have to feed my my daughters and and their lives with my ex and and her life as well and and I've got to feed my life and then I've got to have college money and retirement money and I'm and if it was just me right. um, the music would be fine and I could survive off it and make a great living and right um, you know I make over six figures a year off of music which is great but I'm looking at like the big picture I've got to I've got to really up the game and, and try and double or triple my income right. um, without having it sacrifice the art right. of, of, and the core of what I yes. do. So, um, and there's a bit of brand washing going on because I'm so diverse now. I think people may be thinking that there's, some, there's too much going on. Who knows? But um, if they come to the show, they'll, they'll see that not only... Am I a songwriter? But I'm a better songwriter than I was ten years ago. Better yes, performer, yeah. and yeah. I'm evolving. And uh, so, you know, I'm looking at everything I do. I added kids shows and kids music, yeah. and, and it's been very Which successful. Is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's been really fun. So, um, I don't want to interrupt the flow here, but I do want to ask you real briefly uh, if my impression is right. That my feeling is that your songwriting for kids. Uh, is all from a more upbeat, yeah, up tempo, right? Yeah, right. It's that's like, an, I mean, it's you. So it's, it's obvious. It's intention. It's intentional. Yeah, right? it's, it's like it's like you're painting. Imagine painting just with primary colors and with a pretty fat paintbrush, like a house Perfect. paintbrush. Perfect. Rather than doing <laughs> yes, like you know, well, um, you don't have this great fuller brush set and, and all this huge palette right, of colors and right. subtlety and shadow. And, all of those yeah. things that make me a, an adult writer that works. Yes. I just use a different tone, a different you know. They're bright colors. They're up tempo. They yeah. tend to be three chord songs. They tend to be very strummy, uh, catchy. Get to the chorus. Yeah, under three minutes long. Lots of hooks. Yeah, and they're all. Um, the, the ones I'm focusing now are, are educational songs that are biographies of important people. Oh, love that. Oh, yeah, that's and so do I. I'm, I'm a history buff, I, I, so it's been great. And, and you know, as a touring artist, what I do is I bookend the weekends, the Friday and the Monday. If I can, I'll have a school show. 
and hopefully get a few grand doing those two school shows. Yeah. And then I'll do my adult stuff in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it ends up almost doubling, you know, the money for the weekend. Well, I love and, and it sounds like those are a blast. Like, there's so much. They can be really fun, you know. Um, they're challenging when it's a full day. Like, I'll do a, right. I'll gotcha. do a, uh, a full school show in the auditorium in front of 500 kids. And if they know the songs, they sing them back to me. Sure. And it's a really yeah. Beatles-like oh, oh, yeah. experience. Right, right, yeah. And then I go to in the classrooms and I'll do five classes and I'll write songs with them or talk to them about music. And and uh, so it's a full-on day and it's given me a lot of respect for teachers and what they go through. And um, So that's one way I'm making extra dough and then um, obviously mentoring I mentor people online I'm mm-hmm. about to start an online school beautiful for songwriting oh, beautiful. Beautiful. through True Fire which is a, a great guitar playing website nice okay um, and then you know mentoring and uh, doing the retreats and uh, and also I lead tour excursions for fans of mine next week I'm going to Alaska up the inner passage on a cruise ship with 150 Ellis Ball fans that's so. phenomenal. Oh yeah, it's really great. That'd be a cool thing to do just to go by yourself. Yeah, right, exactly. But you get to go and like have a bunch of your fans yeah, right. there and have it really And use it cool as a tax write-off and, which, you... and do shows along the way. And, that's just uh, beautiful. Man. So, um, and that's been a little bit of extra money, but it's essentially like being on the road. It's just I'm carrying the same 150 audience members with right. me. Right, with you right wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a way of getting that in, making some money. And, yeah right and uh you know and seeing alaska and seeing a lot right, right. And seeing well you get to travel and it's paid for right well, and not to get too businessy about it but to to completely service in a really personal way 150 fans yeah and there's sometimes it's less than that I, right when i get back i do one on uh, an island off the coast of maine on monhegan island with oh me. nice and i'm bringing on to duvacott and sam baker with me who oh, are fantastic. great songwriters yeah. and, oh that's great and that'll be about 50 people and that's going to be about a week. Again, tremendous. Yeah, and so, a great way, again, to to just have a really fun time in yeah. a beautiful place. Oh, yeah. So uh, what I love about... So a couple of things. Um, one, I wanted to... I want to circle back to... You mentioned branding earlier. Mm. And uh, and uh, it, this is something that Adam and I struggle with um, with young artists um, not wanting to grasp that yeah and, you know, I'm an artist I'm not, I'm not a brand and so I just want to just I want to just point out that you said that and so that we can say look if, if Ellis Paul understands that it's about branding yeah then and he can still be exactly as authentic as he always is and he can still <laughs> oh, writing the right. great songs then right. you need to just shut up and do it <laughs> <Right>. it's, it's, <laughs> well it's good to think of yourself as an artist and you have to and, and but I think you know, the more you can differentiate yourself from everybody else who's white and picking up a guitar, who's male. Yeah, yeah. right. And how do you, how are you different? Because there's 10,000. So there's a white dude who plays acoustic guitar and writes songs. Right. Wow. Is that your brand? Okay, yeah. If that's your brand, you're not going to go anywhere. Right. And not that you have to be any different than you are. Just refine people's perception. Like, you know, I had long hair. That was really who I am. But that was... And t- unintentionally part of my look mm-hmm. right, that right. spoke through something of the music and um, you know those things um, you know the older you get the more you're aware of them I guess but um, you know James Taylor's got it down to the point where he can just put a jean shirt on the cover of an album yeah, and as a brand and then you know it's a jean you know it's James he's Taylor he's not his face is not on the fucking cover of the record. <laughs> right. It's a hanger with a jean shirt. And you know it's James Taylor. Right. And you exactly. You get it. You look at it and go, oh yeah, that looks right. like James Taylor. And Bruce Taylor. Springsteen with his back with yeah. with sleeves rolled up indicate working class, right. American flag, you know, yeah. jeans, still working class boots, yeah. a little handkerchief in the back pocket, all of those things tell a story about the artist right yeah. that helped brand him in late, in and it looks like what it sounds like yeah and then you play the record you're like wow this is exactly right. what I thought it was going to sound it, like it fits and part of what I teach at my performance workshops is creating a visual match for the kind of art that you're producing oh, like, perfect. Yes. And, and have it be authentically used. yes like, right I'm right not trying to turn you into a supermodel or, no right right you know but what I have people do is I have them like I hand out paper dolls and they sit with them for a minute and then I say, all right, I want you to list 
um, your 10 best songs on a piece of paper. And then I say, okay, what what is the predominant themes of those songs? Is it romance? Is it educational? Is it uh, story songs? What are the elements? Is it blues? Is it rock? Is right. it pop? Is it folk? Is it acoustic? Is it electric? Is it, you know, I go through all this criteria. Oh, yeah. So they start getting a list and I, then I ask them, okay, um, what is the color of the songs if you were going to like is it rage is it love yeah. is it romantic and then what are the colors of those things and right. what are the symbolic things um, you know what you're wearing on your shoes how to how to because shoes ground you and they create a foundational point in your visual perspective of people's visual perspective of who you are and uh, you know if you can see my shoes right now they look somewhat and I love these shoes. It's Great not. Shoes. I'm not wearing anything yeah. that I, I don't love, but they're. Like, they look like something some English professor would yes. wear. Um, they're kind of hip. They're kind of dated. They look like something out of the 40s, 50s. But with updated soles. Yeah, they, so they've got new, some. But, yeah. Right. So they're new but old. You can walk in them. Yeah. It's, they're comfortable and um, they're com- they're functional, but they're cool. But that sort of writerly thing is in my look because that's what I love and that's it reflects my art well and yeah. um, you know I try and keep in line with with that kind of stuff and then yeah. we, we bring it down then I have them dress the doll like <laughs> you know which is great do you yes. wear a hat on stage what does the hat say what color is the hat do you wear glasses what do glasses say well how's the makeup done if you're woman what does your beard say what does right, right. you know what does the patch say right, if right. it's here under your nose it's too hitler you gotta drop it below. <laughs> you know this, this less hitler this yeah. way more this right. says right. racist this, this says hipster exactly and there you just go an just, inch it's apart. just an inch that's all you need to do yeah, just, you just drop one lid to the other right, right. you're right. good to go just above above below. Just below. those right. little visual cues right, do you exactly. wear an earring do you not wear an do you show your tattoos do you roll your sleeves? Right. Are you are you in color? Are you in, in, and yeah. and we walk down the entire thing. What's your belt buckle look like? Yeah. And then we look look at posture. Do you sit? Right. Do you stand? Do you bring props on stage? Right. Like I I do carry props now. You know they're you I'm, do. yeah I'm yeah. not carrot top but I you know <laughs> <laughs> I have. You know, I'm bringing, I'm talking about music. I'm about to put out a record. I'm about to put out a vinyl version of the record. I bring a little record player on stage. And I walk people through what we used, how we used, what we to, used to do. Right. Yeah. And, and how important it is to me. Because it's still the primary way I like to listen to music. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all part of my show. And, uh, and it's all part of the classes that I teach in performance. Which is at, at the workshops. And phenomenal. It's It's... It's not that, uh, you know, it's, it's fairly obvious if you take the time to think about it. And then I, th- I thought, if I could teach these things, how do I teach these things visually? Because visually is how people learn quickest and best and most profoundly. Yeah. Because they can see it at a glance and they're like, whoa, whoa. And then I take someone on stage and I adjust their posture and I adjust the mic and I tell them what to wear and I say, these are your props. And we create that in the workshop. And you can just see them going from this thing to this new thing and how right. it really enhances Enhances. Their yeah. confidence yes. and then what people are seeing objectively. Right. Because the thing that I think that, that I think that one of the things that, that we've noticed that a lot of artists forget is that if you are doing even a 25-minute set, that's 25 minutes where people are sitting and staring at you. Right. 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 Help them out. Help you them out. I mean? Right. Please give Have them some something to yeah. look at. Right. Props, necklaces, earrings. Yeah. You know, if right. you can, as an opener, you can't haul too much on no, stage. No, you can't. Yet. Correct. But there's an art to it. And people's first impression and their last impression right. are the, the, the two moments. Primary and recency. and recency, baby. There, there you go. go. You know this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, and what you look like in that primary moment when you walk on stage is the most important moment of the show. Yeah. And then what you leave them with. What you leave them and with. And everything that happens in the arc in between. That's why so many times you'll, you'll, you'll do a show and people will come up to you and say, what was that first song you sang? Because that's the one I want to buy. Right. And it's only, be- you could put any song in that yes. slot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's just because the primary moment was so important for them. Right. But that's the one they, they remember the best. It's actually kind of a brilliant marketing thing. I'm just going to interject real quickly there. If you have a CD you really want to sell, open right. with one of the songs. Right. 
and end with one of the songs. And end with one and, of the songs. And then you give them both both parts. And then what I do in the middle is I reset the stage in some way so that their primary thing that suddenly there's a sort of secondary primary niche. Yeah. Right, right. Shows. I go to the piano. Right. Take a jacket off and put on a new instrument. Yeah. I step in front of the mic, go out in the crowd. Yes. And then my, those, one of my favorite moments. Those, those are secondary moments in the show that become, creating they a become new... bookmarked. Right, exactly. And creating a, a new, new... It's primary. a reset. That's, a reset. It's a like reset. the idea of, of studying. When you, if you're studying something, don't study for three hours. Study for 20 minutes and take a five-minute break. Another 20 minutes, five-minute break. Because you're right. creating more primacy and recency. Points, right. More markers right. as you go through. And it'll stick with you more. Brilliant! I love yeah. that. I love that. So you should do again, some courses on this. You, you should, should really like, teach this. Stuff. <laughs> this is the kind of thing you should like. You should come to the retreat. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay, so if they're going to come to the retreat, okay, we're, we're going to and just do they, so, just, do they AlicePaul.com? Well, I was going to say we'll put yeah, it in. Yeah, that's all there. But the we'll, New England Songwriters Retreat. And we'll make we'll make sure that there's there are links to those in the uh, in the notes show. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Because that's just oh yeah, that's phenomenal. It's really fun. Oh, it's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, and the other thing that I wanted to say was I like that you are not only looking for these other ways of, of finding revenue streams, but that you are finding ways of doing that that is, that is bringing you some joy, too. Yeah, I care about all of it. Yeah. So, and again, it's like, as you know, all of you who are listening, if you're a musician, you know it's not work. It feels like play, and that's why it's so easy to do it so much. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm finding that with all of the other things I'm doing, putting out books and doing the artwork and then teaching and taking these trips, it's, it just feeds me in a good way, like yeah. financially and soulfully. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. So it doesn't feel like work, even though it's a lot. It's right. definitely a lot. It's, it's a lot. But you're, again, I like that it is finding you in a, you're finding ways of doing this that are feeding you. And yeah. bringing you that joy, and you can hear it. You, the you fun. can hear it when you're talking about it. Yeah, you, really you can. can. He, you can see it when you're Man, explaining you really it. I like, love it. And, sight, you know? and then there's this, that certain part of us that we haven't even we were talking about, but we're in the bigger pictures that we run a business, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. you can see how the numbers play against, and, and your income rises, and um, you know your the way you're sort of measuring success is like how many people are coming to this how many right. people are coming to that how many people are you engaging and uh, when you see growth in those things too the, it's, it's exciting it's really exciting yeah, yeah. it's and like it, you guys with your podcast you know it's you're watching it evolve from those awkward early ones right? and, yeah, exactly. and the numbers increase and increase yeah. and increase and it's like holy shit this is really happening and, and, it's, and, and it's fun and it is fun and it yeah. is okay as an artist as a musician as a performer to treat your business as a business, that's, yeah. the, that's the idea, and it doesn't make you less of an artist. It doesn't make you less of a doesn't make right. you less of a brilliant songwriter because you understand how to write songs and you made posters that help other people understand how to write songs and that they buy them from you. Right. That that I doesn't have, make your songwriting any less brilliant, it, right? If they come to the shows, they'll see that there's still evolution happening, and you know the core of what I do is always going to be that. Yeah, it's just I'm lucky enough to have these branches now. So fantastic. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We're gonna to have to say goodbye because, because you got, got you got one of people these coming workshops. in to All right. workshops in about right. twenty minutes. So okay. I want to make sure you get some lunch in you and absolutely. Uh, All right. And so we're just gonna close the show with the way we usually do, which is to uh, to remind everybody that you got this. We got your back. 